Lillian writes, Dear Georgie, I want to know more about how your coaching program helps people stop binge eating. I've already done a lot of work with several dietitians, and I've worked really hard, but I haven't been able to stop. My binging isn't triggered by emotion. It's triggered by last supper mentality, the sort of I'm starting a diet soon, so I better eat everything now thinking. Is your program geared toward filling an emotional void? If so, I don't think it'll be for me. This email really got me thinking. I've never used the term emotional void with a client, and it honestly stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, what does that even mean? So I took to the internet, and I tried to figure out what people are trying to communicate when they say that something, whether it's binge eating or something else, is coming from filling an emotional void. And what I found is actually pretty funny. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Many articles talk about an emotional void as something being missing, like there's an empty spot where something should be. It can be from grief when you lose someone and the place they used to occupy in your life feels like a void. Or it can be from not having positive emotions, like joy, hope, or pleasurable experiences. Sometimes people describe not feeling like there's meaning in their life or their work, like things are just randomly, aimlessly happening to them. Lastly, the term sometimes is used to describe a feeling of not feeling anything at all, essentially being numb. What got to be a bit silly was how many people I found giving advice for this problem of filling emotional voids, and their solutions seemed, well, unrelated or silly. One blog article suggested rest and relaxation as the way to fill your emotional voids. So instead of binge eating, rest and relaxation. There you go. Problem solved, right? Yeah, rest and relaxation are important. But if someone feels like there's this big, gaping need in their life, that something's unmet, a nap is rather beside the point, isn't it? Thanks to another frightening find on the internet, here's a quote. Patchouli oil is often used for relieving feelings of emptiness or emotional disconnection. Use it when you're feeling disconnected from yourself or community. Okay, (laughs) patchouli oil. Perfect. But not everything I found was bad. There was a great article at Psych Central titled, When You Feel Empty, What It Means and What to Do. And the piece had some really, really great advice. My favorite part was attributed to Caitlin Slight, a marriage and family therapist in Raleigh, North Carolina. She mentioned how a feeling of emptiness can result from a loved one moving or passing away. Here's the part that caught my eye. The emptiness might stem from slowly abandoning ourselves, not listening to our own hopes and desires. You might abandon yourself unintentionally or unknowingly because you're striving for perfection or others' approval, she said. You might stop caring for yourself while focusing on something like your career. For instance, you might stop moving your body or getting enough sleep. Abandoning ourselves can spark anxiety, depression, guilt, and shame. As I continued looking around for people's advice and experiences on, quote, emotional voids, I realized that most of the time, People who were talking about their own experience with these feelings didn't use that term. They would say, I feel empty, I feel alone, I feel disconnected, for example. They don't call it an emotional void, 
probably because one, that sounds rather clinical and for some reason reminds me of a dental cavity. And two, it sounds a bit like we're defective if we have an emotional void, like, oh, I've got a piece missing. I mean, I don't want to have an emotional void. If someone said, oh, Georgie, you know what your problem is? You've got an emotional void. I would not be very happy with that person. So my take on this whole thing is feeling empty and like things aren't enjoyable is a very real experience. And it reminds me of how I felt when I was suffering from depression. So if you're feeling numb or joyless and those feelings carry on for a while, I encourage you to bring it up with your doctor or a counselor. I mean, whether we call it an emotional void or not, I just want to say your feelings matter and there's help out there if you're suffering. If we go back to Lillian's question, setting aside the phrase emotional void, it brings us to, does a lack of pleasant emotion or meaning cause binge eating? And secondly, is my approach to treatment based on changing that? My answer is, a lack of pleasant emotion or meaning is definitely worth addressing if someone feels that in their life. And it can contribute to binge eating, but it's definitely not the only factor. So if somebody tells you that to fix your emotional eating, you have to fill your emotional void, I'd be walking away. In the work Mary Claire and I do with clients, we address creating pleasant experiences in ways other than eating. It's definitely helpful, but it's far from the sole base of our approach. Anyone who says all binge eating is caused by one thing is oversimplifying it. In some people, a lack of pleasant emotion isn't a factor at all. They have lots of pleasant emotion, their life is full of hobbies and meaningful experiences, and they binge for other reasons. I definitely encourage clients to explore real-life treats and prioritize their own joy. But Lillian said it, that is not her. The way Lillian describes her struggles with repeated binge eating, it definitely didn't sound like she was binge eating to create a positive experience. So it makes sense that she wants to avoid my program if I'm going to tell her, this is how you fill your emotional void. She was really specific, in fact. She said, my binging isn't triggered by emotion. It's triggered by last supper mentality of I'm starting a diet soon, so I better eat everything now. I mean, she really knows what's going on in her own head. Gotta give her credit. What I wrote back to Lillian was, no, we aren't latched onto everyone having emotional voids. But the issue that she described having is an emotional one. It's not about creating positive emotion or filling a void, but what she's doing is about avoiding a negative feeling. In my experience, avoiding negative emotions is far, far more common as a binge trigger than trying to create or replace a positive emotion. We spend a lot of time in our coaching helping people raise their ability to tolerate uncomfortable feelings and have a wide array of healthy coping mechanisms, so food isn't their only choice. We also help people learn alternative ways to decrease the intensity of their negative feelings. So in Lillian's case, each time she told herself, I gotta start a diet tomorrow, it created a feeling of anxiety or worry about the future in her mind. And that feeling is what she's responding to with the binge. Eating a lot of food right now is a typical response to being told that things are going to become scarce tomorrow. That's logical. I mean, our parents even taught us to think ahead like that. You've been on a road trip as a kid, right? You know, mom or dad would tell you, there's no bathrooms for another three hours. So holding your pee is really unpleasant. Maybe you should go to the bathroom here, even if you feel like you don't have to yet. Well, it's the same deal. If we're thinking, 
okay, I'm going to get scrawny meals for God knows how long. Being hungry and deprived is really unpleasant. Maybe I should eat everything in my possession right now, whether I'm hungry or not. I explained to Lillian that it would be really important for her unique case to adopt gentle and small nutrition improvements, things that were comfortable and wouldn't make her suffer. When she eliminated the drastic diet looming in the future, she didn't have to anticipate suffering because she wasn't in for massive hunger. She wouldn't have to give up her favorite foods. She wouldn't have to give up her favorite foods. She could instead just focus on small changes to the frequency or the portion size she was choosing. Knowing that there are only gentle, flexible changes coming on the horizon, and that we're exploring them because we choose to, not because we have to, that can totally eliminate the last supper mindset. If you've ever suffered from the last supper sort of binge eating, where you eat frantically the night before starting a diet, I think it can be comforting to know that the stressful, emotional situation of knowing the diet starts tomorrow is one you never have to feel again. You never have to put yourself on a painful diet, period. And that's awesome because almost all unpleasant emotional states that trigger binge eating are ones we can't prevent. You know, things like death, illness, work stress, conflict with people we love. These things are unavoidable. And so we can only work on strategies to accept them and move through the pain. But last suffering, man, we can just erase that one. So to recap, people with binge eating disorder most commonly developed the habit as a way to reduce or escape from unpleasant or painful emotions. However, if you feel like you do eat sometimes to create a positive experience, that's not unusual. I am a fan of the idea of including real-life treats and increasing the amount of pleasure and joy in our lives. But I'm not a fan of the idea of emotional voids. I think it's better to say we all have emotional needs. That includes a certain amount of positive stimulus and a need to dampen painful sensations to protect ourselves. We all have these needs, and I'm glad you're here with me so we can make sure you're meeting yours. We're all in this together. I'll see you next week. Thank you.